What's up, Browns fans? Welcome into your weekend edition of the OBR Film Breakdown, where I have gathered up as much as I can for your episode here on Saturday, September 4th. Data about the Browns win, some analysis, some thoughts tied into, you know, what you're accustomed to getting after games, two days removed, film studies happen, your comprehensive breakdown, where you're going to get, again, all of your player metric data, all the information from defense alignment to offense alignment and how they match and mesh and all of that and where I think the game was won or lost. So uh, in this one, the Browns win 29-17. So we have plenty of positive to break down from this, but there were some concerning things and some pivotal moments in the game that I don't think many people have talked about. So I do want to pinpoint a couple things quickly in this episode. So the Browns defense is where we'll start this one out with, um, you know, a tale of two halves really, but uh, if you get if you kind of break it down a bit more it's it's even more it's even more strange how things shook out. I think we should probably start with snap counts and look at uh some of the the general defense information as we uh kind of dig into the the bigger picture, but I think it's okay like I said to to start with the general stuff. So Ronnie Harrison was out hurt in pregame hamstring issue so he didn't play. So their extra defensive back stuff became kind of interesting. Uh, as far as snap counts go, there were only 55 registered plays from the Steelers, but uh, Pro Football Focus documented 59 as a means of they're not going to eliminate penalty plays necessarily. But uh, guys who were on the field for the entire portion of the game defensively, Newsom, Delpit, Ward, and John Johnson were all on the football field for the entirety of it. You had slot snaps 42 from Greg Newsom. Thought he played pretty well. 10 at outside corner. That aligns with the number of base snaps they had, which was 13. So in this, they had 13 base snaps where they matched Pittsburgh's 12 personnel, two tight ends every time. Um, they had 34 snaps out of nickel, and then they had seven snaps out of dime with the additional DB to push it up to uh, you know, the 55 number. You get one prevent snap that very last play of the game, which, which cost some people some money, unfortunately. But that was uh, a heavy defensive back prevent scenario. Uh, that last play deep in Pittsburgh's own territory. Of those seven dime snaps, five of them were on third down. Browns love to go to the three-down dime look this year. It's a little different than last year, but they like that three-down look, and they'll continue to do that, as we have talked about plenty of times. Uh, Performance metric-wise, we should probably take a look. I like to always kind of point out uh, how many times maybe Miles lines up inside. He only had a couple of inside snaps in this game. He was wide. Uh, they they have got to consider sometimes maybe shifting him down, tightening his wide nine alignment because in run game that can kind of be easily manipulated. It's really hard to play interior run game from such a wide alignment. And I know that's what they prefer to do with Miles because he's their game wrecker as a pass rusher. So, uh, they but again, about halfway through the game, they, they sort of decided to shift away from what he was doing, his approach, and push him more toward playing and crashing down inside. And it led to some nice outcomes, but it also led to some dangerous outcomes where scrambling can happen, so on and so forth. So I want to go over snap numbers in this one again. Uh, Alex Wright played 47, opposite Miles, getting a lot of those reps. Martin Emerson played 46. He went off the field when it was in base. Jacob Phillips played 46, largely due to injury, but he's getting more reps. Jordan Elliott played 40. He was the leading interior lineman, defensive lineman snap counts. Uh, Taven Bryan, who suffered an injury, we'll see how he is when they update next week. He had 31 snaps. Sione Taki Taki got 31 because of, again, a shortage at linebacker when JOK went out as well. Anthony Walker, which it just stinks that they lose him. He had 31 snaps before the quad injury. Isaac Rochelle, 26, is the primary edge defender rotation. 
JOK 22 before his injury. And then I, Perrion Winfrey had 18 snaps inside, and I thought he was respectable. Uh, you know, I thought he was much better. Tommy Togi, I got 11, and he was a disaster. So I really liked the 18 Perrion Winfrey snaps. And then they played DeAnthony Bell eight times in that Ronnie Harrison role. Uh, and, and dime looks uh, especially so that you know and he was fine i thought that he was he was fine so uh, the getting him game experience is good in my opinion run defense grades miles leads the collective group with a 68.1 from pro football focus he has a tackle a stop tackle but i think for the most part based on where he was lined and what they're asking him to do he played pretty well perry on winfrey second highest run grade in six defensive snaps against the run 67.6 thought he again was fine went out on the field uh, in, in terms of doing what his gap fit was was uh, meant to be done. The stuff that is concerning is down below 40, and I think these are pretty fair for all of them. John Johnson was down below at 37.2. He had three missed tackles, two on the goal line that were pretty embarrassing public displays of uh, you know a tackling issue. Jacob Phillips had 18 run snaps. He had a 35.5 grade. He had a missed tackle. But again, just kind of out of position far too often. Anthony Walker struggled against the run in this one before he left. JOK didn't do so hot either. He had three missed tackles himself of the nine uh, for Cleveland on the day. And he just, I think that Pittsburgh did a really great job of double teaming at the point of attack and then having JOK commit to where he was going in the run fit and then they would peel off late and make a make a block on him and that's something that I don't think JOK sees a lot of. He sees a lot of guys who get free releases at him and he's able to make them miss or elude them. Uh but he did not handle that very well and I think this is maybe his worst game as a pro. It's up there. He did not play very well in this one at all and the three tackles that he missed didn't help either. Togi and Jordan Elliott down below 30 in run defense grade and and man, Pittsburgh did a lot of inside zone double teaming. They did not anchor very well. I really, uh, especially Jordan Elliott and Togi, I would agree with those grades. They did not anchor well enough. So disappointing uh, in that regard. Uh, that 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 Jordan Elliott has to be better. He's got to be better. And and if Tommy Togi wants to continue to be in the NFL, he has to be better as well. Uh, rush grades in this one a seventy six point nine for Miles. He had two total pressures. He could have had a couple sacks where the ball just came out lightning quick. I posted a video of how they. You know, Pittsburgh was, I believe, based on the data I have from True Media, Pittsburgh was a max protect 25% of their dropbacks. Like, that means keeping in two additional people. Miles was a focal point of trying to help all the time. They were either sending a guard his direction, or they were sending a tight end to chip and move him, or they put a back in his direction. Like, he did not get many one-on-one matchups all, all night. Pittsburgh's game plan, sometimes even only putting out three eligible receivers in drop-back situations, not play-action, but drop-back situations, he maneuvers everything about how a team wants to game plan, and that matters, right? You might not get a sack, but being the reason a team either doesn't release a player on a pass route or, de- or dedicates certain portions of the field a, a different way is is impacting the game. It might not be something that you understand uh, watching it the first time, but that is impacting the game is not necessarily stats, but it's how you change a team's ability to do the things that they want to do by having to compensate in ways that they're not comfortable compensating. So again, only two pressures and a stop tackle for him on the day, but man, he was really good. He was really good. Uh, and, and doing what they doing, and he's, he's a complete change of game plan for teams, and Pittsburgh developed everything around helping make sure Miles didn't wreck what they tried to do offensively, and I think Pittsburgh's got a lot of issues on offense anyway, 
but to uh have Miles impacted that way is pretty cool to see on a on a different on a different watch. Miles was really good in true pass sets. We had an 88.6 rushing grade where his two pressures came from. Again, those are predictable pass situations based on down and distance, uh, etc. Jacob Phillips had the second highest pass rush grade. He had that sack. He had the only sack on the night. Did a great job. He got lifted. He went on a blitz in the first half. I posted a photo, and I don't know if he just wasn't prepared for the late peel from Najee Harris where Najee was kind of helping on the end on that side and then saw him coming inside on his rush, unabated to the quarterback, and lifted him. He got underneath Phillips and flipped him. It was it was uh, again. I've a posted photo if you want to see it on my Twitter page. It was it was jarring to see, and and ended up Mitch was able to get out, scramble, and make a play. Then then Phillips came on a rush later. He only had four pass rushes. He came on a rush later and hit Najee with a nice little swim move when they were double mugging the a gaps and kind of setting up how they wanted to manipulate protection and got the running back to step down. And he hit him with the swim move and got that late sack. So Phillips got some revenge. I thought he was pretty good when going forward. As a rusher in this game, uh, I think that that was where he's going. He had a nice pass breakup too, uh, which is important to note. That third down pass breakup he had, sort of diving across the the catch point from Fryermuth to keep the chains from being moved. Taki Taki had a 67.4 pass rush grade. Not many others that got up front time. Togi I had six snaps and got a 56 grade, highest among interior guys. Newsom, um, sorry, Rochelle is your next highest edge. Alex Wright below that. And then Jordan Elliott down at the bottom there with Perrion Winfrey. Um, not, I mean, 11 pressures, not bad. I mean, Wright had two pressures. Taven Bryan won. Jordan Elliott won. Uh, Anthony Walker, when he was playing, had three. So not bad. Just, again, the ball's getting out so fast, it's hard to see them impacting things uh, all the time. Uh, Coverage-wise, I've noted a couple things. So the Browns were a really heavy cover three team this week, more so than I've seen them in previous weeks. So they went 28 snaps of cover three. Of those 28, only three of those were on third down. So they were using cover three and cover four early downs because cover four they ran 11 times, only one time on third down. Uh, they ran some cover six, which is quarter, quarter, half. They ran that three times, uh, a couple snaps of cover two, and then... Where they what they do on their third downs is they like to get aggressive. So they'll play two man, which they did on one third down of the two snaps they ran it two times, and then they played cover one six times. Three of those were on third down. So they want to get aggressive on third down and blitz. They want to play man behind it. I think teams are are obviously recognizing that, and they're not doing it exclusively. They're doing some other zone stuff, pairing off of it. Like I said, some cover three. Uh, and occasionally some cover four, but they want to get aggressive on third downs, and that's tying to man-to-man coverage, which I thought they were fine in most of their man-to-man coverage in this game. I just think they were in the backfield a few times with Mitch, and they didn't capitalize on getting him down to the ground. And when they didn't get him down to the ground, he was able to escape, make some throws. He hit uh, Deontay Johnson on a sideline throw early in the game, Claypool on another one. you got to really... When you get the pressure dialed up the right way and bring somebody free, you have to get that guy, the quarterback to the ground. So um, I think it's certainly noteworthy about the nine times that they did blitz in this game of 55 snaps that they were uh, not able to, other than one time, actually get to the quarterback for a uh, for a sack. So they have to continue. I, you can't stop blitzing. you got to keep going. Some people would argue for more. I don't think they need to do more, but they need to be more effective in the snaps that they do. Coverage grades, John Johnson, although he didn't tackle well and didn't play the run game well, gets the uh, highest coverage grade of 54, uh, sorry, 74, 75.4. Jacob Phillips, 70.2. Sione Takitaki, 69.7. The linebackers covered well, according to these metrics. 
Denzel Ward with his worst grade of the season, a 27.9. He was targeted 10 times, 6 catches, 75 yards, all of which, I don't know if all of them came against Deontay Johnson, but yeah, I think I think most of them did. Uh, it looks like um, if, we, if we check in on just Denzel Ward, he was uh, matched up for, let me see here, it does look like 10 times Ward faced Deontay Johnson. Yeah, so those 10 targets all went him. They had him shading him. He had six catches for 75 yards against Ward alone. So not uh, not exactly a banner day from Denzel Ward. He's got to be better. I think he's just got to be better. He's got to be twitchier. And um, I know a lot of people are concerned, and I thought there were moments of real, like, yikes, man. There was a third and 18 where he gives up a 15-yard comeback route right in front of his face. He just he seems panicked about being beat over the top, which is uncharacteristic for him because he's able to switch gears and run with people when he feels that vertical stem so well. So I just think maybe he's a little trigger-happy on trying to stay deep in coverage based on some things have happened with blown coverages and and they you know I thought the Steelers manipulated that pretty well in this one Delpit has a uh, 57.6 Martin Emerson a 56.7 Emerson was targeted four seven times he gave up four catches for 48 yards one of which is a 36 yard unbelievable catch from George Pickens again one of the best catches I have ever seen Pickens goes up that it's like cross horizontal cross body thing. It was kind of crazy. It was an unbelievable catch. So, um, yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll deal with that maybe later in the season and look back and think, I, I, I think that was one of the best catches I've ever seen, but Martin Emerson's coverage was really good. Uh, otherwise, uh, guys who, who played snaps, higher volume, Greg Newsom gets a really nice grade in this one is 66, five. He was targeted three times. There were two catches for eight yards. So, that's uh, a pretty much your look at the coverage aspect in this one, which I thought they were fine. Again, playing a lot of, like I said, uh, varied coverage looks, and 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 Mitch Trubisky kind of talked about how they vary it up after the game, and they planned a lot for quarter, quarter, half, cover six stuff, but they got a lot of cover three. Uh, they got aggressive on third downs, playing that man uh, that we were talking about. So I, I wasn't, you know, with the defense kind of wrapping this side of the football up, the first half they were they were really picked apart in inside zone and you know Pittsburgh was keeping six or seven guys in they were max protect they were moving the pocket they were doing some things that they thought they needed to do to help keep pass rush at bay but they were running inside zone to the shade and what i mean by that is they were running it to the bubble and teams talk about this all the time run to the bubble on the defensive line and the browns were not doing a very good job of running you know, their run fits stepping up and handling it. Like Pittsburgh ran effectively nearly for 80 yards in the first half. And that was, that was a pretty big problem. I think things shifted. The tide totally shifted in the second half on a couple plays in that uh, first drive coming out of halftime, they were moving down the football field and that opening drive, they, they ended up doing a little shovel pass. And I've, I've asked some people that I think are smart on Twitter and back channels of DMS and things. And, that was like a 30-yard gain down to about the 8-yard line to uh, Jalen Warren. They flip it forward, and they call an illegal man downfield. But it's weird is that the ball was caught behind the line of scrimmage. So, like, I don't understand how there's an illegal man downfield. And that happened in the Jets game, too, where they called a screen pass, and the ball is caught behind the line of scrimmage. And if it's caught behind the line of scrimmage, you can't have an illegal man downfield. So I don't really know what's up with that call. It made no sense, but it changed everything. It put Pittsburgh from a... First and goal on that, uh, you know, leading 14-13, first and goal down at the 
I don't know, eight yard line to now being second and 15 and the Browns end up getting a stop there. They get uh Pittsburgh tries to run a mesh route on third down, uh, not, a, but a pick play. I'm, I'm sorry. They get called for OPI, but they end up punting cause they, they, they don't end up catching it. The next drive out, they throw a third down, uh, up the left sideline against Ward and Deontay Johnson just kind of lets it go through his hands. I thought Ward was there at the catch point, but he let it go through his hands and then all of a sudden, Browns kick a field goal, score a touchdown, and it's a 23-14 game. It's completely different. But if, if Pittsburgh were to go down and score and make it 21-13, it changes a lot of the second-half decision-making. It changes how the Browns are calling plays on offense, and it's a continuation of the defense struggling to get off the field and get stops. And that play, again, I think it was a legal play, and the Browns just caught a massive break, and then they caught a big break again on that third down where Johnson drops that fade ball against Ward matched up in cover three. So, you know, that's the thing in the NFL. It's a couple plays here and there. It's a penalty here or there that puts you in a difficult spot. You can't overcome it. You got to punt. You can't get your own stop. It swings on such tight, uh, you know, scenarios. Tight. There's the, the margin for error is so small. And the Browns caught a real break there, eliminating that 30-yard 30 30 yard run in a key moment. So, again, Pittsburgh's game plan was vanilla. It was meant, again, to, to save Trubisky for making mistakes or allowing the offensive line to make mistakes Uh, and the Browns do deserve some credit for being able to hold them to about 100 yards and three points in the second half they did I think get better there were not coverage busts in this game and that's a step in the right direction right so no coverage busts help like crazy so uh, they were better overall but still some things to me that are very concerning about the defense. I mean, can they get pressure from anybody other than Miles on a relatively semi-consistent basis? I think they need Clowney. They lose Walker. It seems like Taven Bryan's got some issues with an injury, a hamstring. They're dealing with Ronnie uh, Harrison, dealing with a hamstring. He got hurt there in the pregame. So the defense was better. They deserve credit, but again, there's like, feeling of teams being able to figure out how to pinpoint weaknesses or how the Browns are approaching the game from a coverage decision uh, based on down and distance, things like that. They have a really good feel for it. And if the blitz stuff they're doing doesn't get home and the run game stuff can kind of be manipulated into the bubble, I think when they play the Chargers, the Bucks, the Bills, it's like it, it could it could be dicey. It could be dicey. So We'll see, but I'm not here to, to be negative. I thought it was a step in the right direction overall. So that's everybody who touched the field. That's the data around coverages and personnel on the football field as well. So we will take a quick break for a word from our sponsors, and then we will be back to talk about the offense. No House Advantage is changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy sports platform today. Playing pick'em contests versus other people for the shot at winning 250 k in cash alone. Download the app, choose a contest, select your player props, earn points for correct picks, and climb your leaderboard for a shot to win big money every single day. You can also test your skills versus the house and 20 times your entry if you hit all your picks. Bet on up to five player props, even those over-unders or individual player matchups across every major sports league, including the NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA, MMA, and NASCAR. Sign up with this promo code which is very simply for the fans of this podcast, OBR. Use that promo code OBR at nohouseadvantage.com or download the app on the App Store and get a first deposit match up to $25. So again, promo code OBR. Make sure to check out No House Advantage today and experience daily fantasy sports redefined because it's not just how you play, but also where you play. You won't want to miss out on this. Again, that promo code OBR, nohouseadvantage.com. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, welcome back in. Let's talk about the Browns offense, which was which was really good, man. Um and it continues to be such a surprise how good these guys have been playing. They ran 71 total plays. The entire O-line, except for Jedrick Wills, who left for about five plays, played the entire game. Uh, obviously, your quarterback, Brissett, played the entire game. Other snap count numbers here to, to consider. Donovan Peoples-Jones played 63, and Joku played 63. So those are your non-quarterback uh, O-line uh, snap count receiving uh, guys, 59, Amari Cooper. And again, the thing about Njoku is 63, and y- yeah, you might not like some of the metrics for how he performs in certain aspects in terms of what he puts up for your fantasy team, although he was really good on this one uh, in this game. He is a three-down tight end, and that is so unique for what Cleveland does and how they pin down guys and he'll one-on-one with defensive ends. And he wasn't great in run game in this one. I thought there were a couple times he let Alex Highsmith loose or he didn't anchor the way he needed to in their wide zone stuff that they love to run. But uh, he's been great for a while with this, and he, he graded out extremely well across the board because the receiving aspect was so... Uh, it was so great uh, for, from from his perspective, and he put up some good numbers, and the route running was strong. One catch I thought he could have come down with there in the red zone, but it was a go-up-and-get-it ball, and he got undercut and, and kind of lost it on the way down. But how they use him, and, and they're able to hide their run pass with David, you get why they paid him. Uh, Three-down tight ends like him are who are willing blockers in both blocking phases and who can catch the football high pointing it going up and getting it being physical and I'm telling you he's a huge dude in person you can see how he's able to block some of these defensive ends in the league so uh shout out to David who I thought played so well 59 snaps for Cooper also played extremely well Nick Chubb 45 David Bell 40 I think David Bell had some opportunities to catch the football uh the ball just wasn't thrown to him that's going to increase in the coming weeks I'm sure of it Harrison Bryant 34 Kareem Hunt 32 and then 14 snaps uh for Mike uh, Michael Dunn it's just a you know the Browns love this six O lineman stuff and they they also put seven O lineman on the field at one time first time in the NFL this year with uh, Yodi Froholt was able to come in at fullback and play as the seventh O lineman on that Nick Chubb touchdown run in the fourth quarter so anyway Hudson plays six Schwartz plays five listen Schwartz on that flea flicker back to the screen they threw it's uh he's wide open running deep down the middle of the field a quarterback probably not going to look at him because it's not schemed up that way but man he had Schwartz. Uh, 
streaking for a touchdown if he wanted to throw that. But again, uh, it would have been fine too because the offensive line was waiting. It wouldn't have been an illegal man downfield situation. So, uh, but anyway, I'm not going to complain about that play. That play was a lot of fun. They're one block away from making that a gigantic gain if uh, Wyatt Teller would have blocked the correct guy. Uh, it just takes one little runner on a screen where you're kind of running everybody upfield at the same time, uh, almost in like a wall or a wedge. It takes just one guy sneaking through, and that's what broke that play down. But anyway, back to the uh, you know discussion at hand. The Browns put up... Uh, let me see here. So personnel-wise in this game, they had 43 snaps of 11 personnel. Massive uptick in 11. That's that's huge. 19 snaps of 12 personnel, only 4 snaps of 13. Now they do lead the league in this 6th offensive lineman, so that does skew things a little bit. 21 personnel, so putting Nick and Kareem on the field at the same time, 4 snaps. And then 22 personnel, they had 1 snap of 22. That's 2 backs and 2 tight ends. Um Again, 14 done snaps, had 32 snaps with motion, 27 snaps with a shift, 18 of Jacoby uh, Brissett's 33 dropbacks were with motion and shifting. And what they did, man, Stefanski had such a great feel for giving Jacoby Brissett easy scheme identification. Were they in zone? Were they in man? Here's your quick answer. Here's your uh, shotgun throws. I mean, in this game alone, in the gun, Brissett, non-play action gun throws, 18 of 28 for 158 and two touchdowns. Highly effective from the gun in this game. And a couple drops where it could have been even better. That fourth and two drop where the ball to, uh, that ball to uh, Cooper in the fourth quarter, kind of the one that they called was thrown so hard. I think it was fine. It just wasn't out in front of Cooper. I think it was on his back shoulder and that caught him a little bit by surprise. So he was unable to adjust accordingly. Uh, if it was out in front of him, I think it would have been a catch. But, man, they were really good. And he was just picking apart. And Jacoby's doing a great job of identifying read one to read two to read three. You can see his eyes working through and staying calm in the pocket. But just having a, you know, this is the difference between his time in Miami and Indy because Indy didn't get their O-line figured out till later. Like, they, he has trust in this group. And in the trust in this group is manifesting itself in how he's able to go through reads and, and be able to identify leverage in scenarios where he knows either it's man or zone and where my next route is that will be open based on how they're playing coverage. So that stuff is that stuff is fun. It's really great. And like I said, he was 3 of 3 for 62 yards under center. 50 yards came on one throw. They did a lot of their work from the gun. And empty personnel... Um, not it's not personnel, but empty formation. So uh, you could have three tight ends and a uh, running back and a wide receiver, or you could be uh, an eleven personnel with three receivers, a tight end, and a running back. But the empty look. So he's in the gun alone. He was nine of fourteen for one hundred and one yards. So that's again really effective stuff. And and they trusted him to do it a lot, and he was very comfortable doing it. So uh, the Browns' gun run stuff was also pretty good. You know they like to run under center. Nick ran 20 times for 73 yards under center uh, in this game. Uh, he also had that touchdown run, but that's not great. That's like a 3.3 yards per carry, but they ran seven times for 50 yards from the gun where Nick had three carries for 40 yards there alone. So that's what pops him up into the over five yards per carry number. That's what gets him up over 100. So they're able to gun run pretty well. And I've always clamored for more gun run from Stefanski, and I think they're doing a pretty good job with that. And other things to note here that I have written down, um, you know, David Njoku in the second quarter, he, he was killer. He had six catches for 61 yards and a touchdown in the second quarter alone, which is just, it's great. It's what you, it's what you need him to do, take over situations. And he was, 
really good in the short areas of the field. And that's where Jacoby's throwing a lot right now because the Browns are trying to get rid of it quick. And Stefanski knows, and he talked about it at halftime. We got these guys schemed up pretty well. It was weird. The Steelers played a bunch of base in this game. They played base 36 times. That's a lot. Now, what that tells me is Pittsburgh saying, we're going to try to find a way to stop your run game. Like we're, that's, that's our goal. Our whole goal here is to stop your run game. We'll do whatever we have to do to do it. That means 19 times the Browns came out in 11 personnel and they played base. That's, that's an extremely high miss match of what teams like to do typically which is match the dbs and wide receivers on the field to be in base 36 times nickel only 25 and dime only two that means that pittsburgh said and like cam hayward said we got our butts kicked they tried to be physical with cleveland and they ultimately just couldn't do it they couldn't do it they couldn't match it and they were uh you know overwhelmed at the point of attack to the point that the browns were able to do what they like to do rushing wise while also being able to make quick decisive throws because when you're in base as often as pittsburgh was in base you cannot do exotic pressures you don't really like to go man to man because you don't like the matchups so he was able to pick it apart man the rounds would come out in three tight ends 13 personnel and or an additional lineman and have three to one side and then they would shift to empty out of that look and that's it's confusing for a defense that that throw to Amari Cooper where you know they were able to come out in 13 personnel three tight ends left one wide receiver to the right with a running back in the backfield and then shift from that heavy run look to empty and be able to isolate hey what we're going to do is we're going to put Cooper inside on the right and three by two have him in the slot give him a two-way go and just pick apart we know when we go to empty out of a look that's heavy personnel against your base they're going to match that base with man-to-man that's their auto check we're going to pick that apart he stares down a blitz is ready to wear that blitz right in the the chest of him as he throws it he has no he has not flinched one bit delivers a strike to Cooper who catches it turns outside and it's a 28 yard gain so that's the stuff you love they just they had a great feel for how to manipulate Pittsburgh to the checks that they wanted to get them into and the looks and they just took advantage of it in this game Brissett had two big time throws to go along with his 90.4 passing grade which I think is going to be one of the best of the week in the entire NFL no turnover worthy plays he did have one ball knocked down which stinks because I think it was going to be a nice gain uh, but otherwise, one throwaway, he was sacked twice, one of which was Wyatt Teller not sliding correctly uh, with the pace he needed to slide left. Uh, but but otherwise, the other sack, I think Brissett just wanted to, as Pittsburgh took away some of the answers there on that late fourth quarter throw, he just would rather have kept the clock moving than have thrown it away. And I, I thought that was a fine decision because you were just going to punt. Uh, otherwise, in this game, when kept clean, Brissett was 18 of 26 for 174 and two touchdowns. Under pressure, 3 of 5 for 46. Strong. Pretty good grade, 72. You like that. No turnover-worthy plays. Not blitzed. He was 10 of 19. 72 yards he really ate up the blitz man he was 11 of 12 when Pittsburgh blitz when they brought somebody he knew where his answer was 148 and a touchdown super decisive in the red zone did a great job on that first Amari Cooper touchdown of identifying hey this is two by two they're in man coverage we've seen the identifier we've matched this up I got a slant left side I'm going to come to it quickly if I identify man right away off the snap boom I'm coming back left he had Cooper lined up one-on-one with Terrell Edmonds not a very good uh, safety in my opinion Uh, in terms of being able to pass cover he's a good run fit guy but not a pass coverage guy and just pick that slant right now easy touchdown the second one he did a great job the Browns win again 
came out in a look that was heavy run, shifted, went two by two, had the both tight ends released to the flat. They had two what we used to call arrow routes. We were pushing laterally to seven and then back inside. He could have gone either way. What he did was manipulate Pittsburgh left side. He pulled Minka Fitzpatrick to the left with his eyes and came back right and put a high and away point catch for Njoku for a touchdown. Both of those were really, really great uh, throws and decisions. In play action, he was 5 of 5 for 74 yards. Uh, that's both under center and in the gun. 16 of 26 on non-play action for 146 and two touchdowns. Again, great. 4 of 4 on screens for 24 yards. A non-screen, 17 of 27, 196. His depth throws were really strong too. He had a 95.8 grade on deep throws, 20-plus yards downfield, 1 of 2 for 32 yards. Medium throws, 6 of 2 for 25. Short throws, 13 of 16 for 137. So, again, Jacoby Brissett deserves all the credit in the world. And his ability on these third and shorts, fourth and shorts, where the Browns have struggled at times to find answers within what they do that doesn't involve just turning and handing the ball off, his ability to sneak the football Hell, he turned one of them into a six-yard gain. He is good at it. And not every big quarterback is good at it. Some guys can't do it. Ben never did it. Was unwilling. Rivers didn't like doing it. Hell, I posted a a video of Jacoby Brissett with the Colts his last year, and they motioned him in from outside with Rivers still in the gun just to have Jacoby Brissett run the sneak. It's simple, but not every guy's good at it. And I think we can agree having watched Baker Mayfield struggle with it in his time in Cleveland. So it's really nice. And what that does is it, it makes the defense think it's coming all the time. So they'll start to crash inside and the, the, the D tackles will pinch. The linebackers will cheat up. And what that does is create easy block down angles. If you watch two plays, that'll tell you the story of how Pittsburgh started to fear the sneak stuff is the, the, the play action on the first play of the fourth quarter, that's a huge chunk play to Amari Cooper. Uh, all of those guys are condensed. They pinch inside. The 2D tackles fall down trying to cut offensive linemen. They they pair it with a quick play action look, and it's there's nobody there. Brissett has nobody challenging him in the backfield. There's no rush because everybody pinched. There's nobody there. Uh, actually, there were three plays. Another one later in the game, they did the same thing. They got the pinch look. Pittsburgh's crashing, and they brought Kareem Hunt into the backfield in the offset eye with Nick Deep, sent Nick on a lateral like swing route to sell and take Evans out of the field and just kind of reversed Jacoby Brissett out and handed it off to Kareem Hunt, there's nobody there. Everybody crashing inside. And then the final touchdown on the one-yard run, everybody Pittsburgh stepping up, crashing in. Well, hey, we're just going to gap down everybody and run Nick on an interior little power concept here. And it was a super easy touchdown again. So the sneak stuff is messing with people. We'll see how other teams handle it. But it's an asset. It really is an asset and opens up a lot of options on third and fourth and shorts due to being able to pick up a yard or two on every single sneak. Receiving-wise in this game, we talked about Njoku. It was led by two people. Njoku, 9 of 10 in terms of uh, receptions to targets. That's fantastic. Could have caught that one to make it a 10 for 10 game, but it wasn't an easy catch by any means. 89 yards, a touchdown. Many of you probably disgruntled if you had him on fantasy and didn't play him or regretting that a little bit. Amari Cooper, again, who's on pace for a great season. He has seven catches on 11 targets. Could have had even more in this game, but 101 for a touchdown as well. Donovan Peoples-Jones has one catch, a big third down catch for 10 yards. He'll get more targets. I think the same will happen for David Bell. David Bell had a catch that he ended up getting six. He needed seven. They ended up getting the first down on a fourth down after that third. But like uh, they, they do it. Actually, I think that was the one Amari Cooper dropped. But David Bell, he's getting more comfortable. I need to see him get more opportunities. I like where he's at overall. He's on the field a lot. They'll continue to try to put him out on routes, and he'll get the football. I think there was a third down. The first drive of the game, they had a third down where they ran a curls concept 
uh, a deep curl concept to the first down sticks and he had David Bell right in front of his face who did a good job of driving off the Mike Backer. It'll come. I think Bell will get his opportunities in time. Your best grades off- offensively in the reception department, again, Cooper and Joku, obvious to know why there, right? So those guys are your best players. Um, rushing grades, Nick Chubb, 76.9 um, rushing grade, a 78.3 run grade collectively, and I think this is a little low. He had 102 yards after contact, a 4.43 yards after contact per attempt, seven missed tackles forced. I highlighted this on Twitter. He's up to 26 missed tackles forced. The next next closest guy only has 13. Now, I know everybody else still has to play their Week 3 game, but he's 13 more missed tackles forced than everyone else in the NFL right now. He's just exceptional, and we can't wish any moment away that we get to watch this guy. He's he's really great. Kareem in this game, 28 yards after contact, 47 on the game. He had a missed tackle forced. He had a touchdown. I should have mentioned, too, Nick had one, uh, sorry, three 10-plus yard carries. He ran nine zone concepts. The Browns ran a lot of wide zone with him. Uh, really like that. They ran some tight zone. They ran 14 zone concepts to 20 gap. They ran some pen pull. They ran some other power counter, a little more counter than power. But they were varied, like they are, always varied, sometimes pulling center and guard, sometimes pulling just a guard. I thought they were doing a really, really nice job of mixing that run game stuff up. And and again, you're talking about 171 total yards of rushing on the game. You take 11 off that Brissett brought, you're talking about 160 from just the running backs alone against Pittsburgh. That's never easy. And I thought Nick was really good when asked to pass block as well. Uh, Kareem also had three catches for 14 yards. Almost caught a little Texas route that would have been a nice play, but wasn't able to reel that one in. Along the O-line as we wrap up here, pass blocking grades. James Hudson and his few snaps did a nice job. Joel Batonio did a good job. Uh, Posich did a good job. Posich deserves credit, man. He played extremely well in this game, given who he was lining up against. And three games in, the returns on him are strong. I think he's playing good football and his 34 pass block reps, he only gave up a couple hurries. And again, he's challenged with some nice interior players from Pittsburgh. Michael Dunn, yeah, he had a couple snaps and pass block. He had a hold, which is not what you, you know, on a play action concept, not what you want to see. Uh, but he was okay. Jedrick Wills, 69.3. He did give up a sack and a hurry. We'll talk about Jed. There's more discussions to have about him in the coming week. Conklin looked good in his comeback. He didn't give up any pressures. He was good in true pass set scenarios of 76.9. Jack Conklin, steady pro, man. That guy's pretty dang good. Run blocking stuff here. Your best zone blocking guys up front. Postage was phenomenal. He continues to do such a really a great job of being able to move in space. They needed a guy like him to replace Harris. Really, when they're looking at Treader, they had two good options to replace him. I think they've done a really nice job with him. I'm impressed by it. He's not a great gap down guy because he doesn't play that strong at the point of attack, but I like Posich. I think he's going to be a nice player for them, and he's he's really good in zone. And their zone snap uh, calculation stuff was really good here. 77.8 from Conklin. Batonio a 72.3, 72.9 from Teller. Uh, Jedrick Wills with a 72.4. That's your starting five, and that's that's nice work. The gap stuff didn't grade out as well, and I, I think I would agree with that. They didn't run it as effectively in gap stuff. Uh, the best gap down guy was Wyatt Teller at 81.7. Jedrick struggled in his uh, gap grade here at 45.3, but the other three were in the high 50s, low 60s. Again, you just need one or two of those to pop, though, to be uh, effective plays. And I think people have documented, I know I documented that, that great pin pull they had in the first quarter. They actually ran their first wide zone pop for what could have been a huge gain as Nick hurdled uh, the safety, uh, trying to make him miss, but it was just perfectly blocked. 
So I think they did a good job overall, man. I think Njoku probably feels like he could have run blocked better, especially as the point man on wide zone stuff in his direction. But again, overall, really good. That's kind of eating up everything I have data-wise here for you. Uh, there's a lot here. Uh, I think we covered a lot, but it was a fun game. The Browns' offense was consistently good throughout, and you're talking, again, a game where they could have scored 30 on offense if they completed one of those fourth downs. They continue to do a great job, and they're one of the most efficient offenses in the NFL at this point, and that's crazy to think about with where we thought they could be. So it's uh, we'll see how long this keeps up. They're going to play some better defenses in the coming weeks. There's no doubt about that. But for now, enjoy it. Jacoby Brissett is playing really good football, and the run game is just a diverse and, and really fun uh, approach to that element of the game. And, uh, you know, Kevin's doing a great job, and they're on track to run for a crazy amount of yards right now. We'll see if that holds up. I will be putting out how exactly in an article form tomorrow the Browns are doing this in the run game and how they're helping Jacoby Brissett and what has them humming. So keep an eye out for that. I will not do a pod tomorrow for Sunday. I need a day off. It's been a long few weeks, and I just think that we can overkill some things and you enjoy your Sunday and don't need to listen to a pod. We'll be back Monday with a guest, which will be good, but I will remind you on Playback, if you've been a Playback follower, we're going to do Red Zone Channel. That will be available uh, about... I think we're going to do it all day, but I'm going to stop in about 2 o'clock and hang out and talk Brown. So if you're a fan of... Uh, playback and want to get in there and watch the Red Zone channel as the rest of the NFL plays on Sunday, feel free to join me at any point throughout the day. But at 2 o'clock, I will be there uh, to chat for a little while. So I appreciate you guys checking out this pod. Again, any questions, specifics you ever have, DM me. I'm always open to football conversations. Appreciate you guys hanging out on this weekend pod. Have a great Saturday and Sunday, and go Browns.